On episode 27 of the Goblin Trashmasters, we're joined again by our special guest, Ashley, where we check in on her progress after her first steps into competitive magic. And we ask the hard-hitting questions, like, what's your favorite card in Pioneer? And why is it Tyvar Jubilant Baller? <laughs> All right, I guess. Let's talk some trash. It's just Kyle and Ashley today. It's just the cool kids. The Who am cool I kidding? Kids. Anthony's like so much cooler than all of us, but yes, whatever. True. He's not here. No, we're cooler. Ha, huh? got him. Uh-huh. Just kidding. Uh, yeah. But we're going to talk about Pioneer. We're going to talk about how Ashley has improved or how she's felt about playing. We're just going to take it away. Easy question. First one. How do you like the format of Pioneer? Because I know Anthony and I love it. We're weirdos. (laughs) You are weirdos, but I happen to be fond of weirdos being a fellow one. So it's just fine. That's why we all hang out together. (laughs) Yeah, fair. Yeah, fair. That's why we have a podcast. All that shit. It's (laughs) true. Honestly, like overall, I enjoy Pioneer. Like, I don't have like a big comparison to make to other formats like Modern or Standard. I played very little Mm -hmm. Standard and I've never played Modern. I have played some Commander. I've played a lot of Commander, actually. And like... Small comparison, I like the thought process and decision paths that Pioneer gives you. I like having Mm -hmm. the streamline of something that just is much more narrow in the way that you have four copies of a card or three copies Mm -hmm. of a card. You know what you're looking for. You can solve that a little bit easier than Commander. So that part's been fun. Before, I was not, I'm not usually a competitive person. I haven't been in the past. I was not a sports girl. But like, this has made me like competition for the challenge and the growth and the change and following those decision paths and playing against different decks, learning metas, like all of that is just really fun. I enjoy it a lot. Yeah. I mean, that's the reason I keep playing. Yeah. It was that competitive fire. Like I was a sports person. I still am a sports person. Like I, I am a sports fan. You and whatnot. Never. Yeah. <laughs> I, I hate the hockey sports ball. It's the worst. Yeah, it's so stupid. Hockey's I did a the starting one sport lineup. I like. Yeah. Hey, hockey's the shit. <laughs> Tyvar is the best center in the NHL right now. That's Facts. right. <laughs> uh, yeah, like that. That that reason you just said is like the reason I keep playing competitive Magic is that. The competitiveness, the the growth, the learning, the challenge of it. Like every magic game is a puzzle. And sometimes you have those big brain plays or you're just like things that other people don't. And other times you're just like, come come on, man, you got to read your cards. Like, dude, like what's going on? But that like competitive fire, because like, like I said, I played sports and I'm older now and can't really do Well, I can do it, but I shouldn't. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> is the biggest thing me being in my mid-30s now like i can't so old yeah i know i keep finding gray hairs not really about i'm it. not that far behind you like it's fine. <laughs> but but yeah like just like competitive magic is super fun and it's not like i mean there are toxic magic players but i would say certain communities that i've been around at least and i've been around toxic communities in magic even in my early days and it's gone it's gotten a lot better but if you find a really good community, yeah. it's it's like having a sports team. It's like yeah. you you are all players on a team and you want to get better. And that is I'm, something I have loved about our community specifically. Oh, like yeah. the people that mm-hmm. we see. 
It has mm-hmm. been so fun to enter this format and to have people rooting for you. And like some people knew who I was because like I used to work at a game store and they're like, hey, how's it going? Yeah. And then you tell them that you're playing mm-hmm. Pioneer now and they're like, oh, what deck you running? And then you just have like this group of people like checking in on you every week and like you go to play and you're playing a game and you're the last one playing because your game is real hot and people are just gathered around you watching. And while that makes me nervous, I love it. Um, It's just really sweet to see like all the supportive Magic players. And I'm very thankful and impressed with like our people. Yeah. And like, especially in our community here in in the in the Kentucky area, just like I think the whole state, because, you know, when we go to RCQs in Louisville or just in the middle of fucking nowhere, in like the mm-hmm. rural areas of Kentucky, you'll see a lot of the same players and meet a lot of new ones. And there, there are a lot of times where I'm reminded how good of a, a player base like that is here because I'll just play like casual events with people who haven't played that long. And I'm just like, wow, like this is the norm for most people, but not for us. Like every yeah. local event is like a little, a mini RCQ. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, we've had Derek Davis top yeah. eighted, yeah, he top eight. He top four. The Pro Tour. That's he's awesome. Just one of the, yeah, he's one of the lo- local guys. Yeah, yeah, like one of the people we see at like locals on mm-hmm. a, a decent regular basis is a, a top eight finalist in a Pro Tour. He made top four. Like he lost to Reed Duke, who eventually won that Pro Tour. Like I, I saw him all over the place. Like Anthony, our co-host, mm-hmm. he's a great Magic player. Sometimes it's really fucking annoying, but he's really, really good at magic and he's just <laughs> always here to help. And just like, like you said, everybody. And it's funny, like there, I've experienced it, you probably too, where she's like, I don't even remember that person's name, but yeah. I see them all the time. I always have great conversations with them. And every time they see you, you always have, Hey, I know you're playing this deck. Have you thought about this? Like, how's this going? I know you're trying that spicy brew out. Like what's going on with that? Or just like, always trying to help each other out. And then you can walk away from that conversation and be like, I have no fucking idea who, like what that person's name is. Like, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I think it starts with a J. I can't remember, but I know where they live, what job they do, like what deck they play on a normal basis. But yeah. it's just like, what's their name? Like, <laughs> it's, it's, it makes it even worse because like most of the time you're looking on like, if it's old school, a piece of paper for your pairings or on the mm-hmm. companion app, you read that person's name, shake their hand and leave and go like, fuck it. I don't know. <laughs> Read the app again. Or like, yeah, that, or just be like, legit. that's Rakdos guy. Like, yeah. that's mono green dude. That's that's the mono white lady. Like, who the fuck knows? Like, I don't know their name, but this is what they play. <laughs> you know? Yeah, for sure. Now, we, we are about improvement. Now, right. what would you say, like, what were some of the weaknesses going in when you were learning this format? Like, playing competitively, coming from Commander, where it's just more casual and a yeah. fun time where we're in, it's not specifically this format, but just competitive magic in general, 60 card constructed. Where it's just like you want to win, you want to be successful, and you want to make the right plays. Like, what was the struggle for you? There's a couple. A big one for me was assessment of my opening hands, but not not for my game plan. So, like, my assessment was like at level one. So, level one mm-hmm. being like me worrying about my game plan. And I was like, I look at this hand, and we're talking specifically about Rakdos here because that was my intro to Pioneer. And mm-hmm. I'd look at my hand and I'd be like, Yeah, I like this for me. This works, but I didn't necessarily think about like game two, what I should be thinking about with my opponent. I was thinking Mm -hmm. solely about mine. And sometimes that's relevant. Sometimes you need to think about like what the other player is doing and if that hand's going to work for you. And that's why it was important to think about and be like, okay, 
is this a good hand? And I liked a hand that had a play on turn two and a play on turn three and maybe some removal and like a turn one thought seize. That's great. You want that if you can get it or even a fatal push, depending on who you're playing. But sometimes mm-hmm. I didn't always think about those things. But yeah. Yeah. Matchups was... are a big thing in just competitive magic, no matter the format, really. And especially in this pioneer now where it's just you can have a hand where it's just like two lands blood tithe two fatal push and just x or y whatever other cards you're like yeah this is a pretty good hand and then your opponent goes turn one blue green temple i forget the name of it like temple of epiphany or whatever but like yeah goes turn one temple and you're just like fuck it's lotus field like this hand is not great (laughs) you have two fatal pushes just staring at you like am i gonna kill the arboreal grazer just because no like and then there are times you're like, all right, I have two thought seizes and like a couple creatures. And then they play turn one dauntless bodyguard. You're like, I don't want to shock myself at all. Like I might be dead. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. But then with that thought process too, thinking like, okay, I kept the two fatal push because I didn't know what they were playing. But then mm-hmm. you also have something to pitch to use for your blood token to discard. So like then I Yeah, can you can pitch that. it to blood or fable. Yeah. Yeah. And so those were things that sometimes... That's another one that I would forget sometimes was there are times where you want to crack the blood token. And sometimes when you don't want to, like it's Rakdos is a very powerful deck, but it's very difficult. And I think you and I have talked about this a lot of times. It's a very powerful (laughs) deck, but it's very difficult to pilot. But I think it's a it was a good intro for you throwing you into the fire with like with Rakdos where it's like it's a mid range deck. And it's like it's nothing super complicated. As Except far as like what the cards do. Yeah, yeah. Th- exactly. The mm-hmm. interaction, the lines you need to take, just it, playing Rakdos is just like you making a map in a sense. Yep. And sometimes you're just like, all right, this is a good path. We're going. And then you take one right, one wrong turn and you're just like, mm. there's a cliff. We mm-hmm. can't go anywhere. Like, oh shit. There, there's a lot of times with Rakdos where like it rewards really tight play, but it also yes. helps you learn because you have to focus. You have to really pay attention. Not to just what your cards do and what your game plan is, but just it'll change whatever, you know, haymakers your opponent's throwing you and you have to react accordingly. We threw you into the fire, but I think that was good for you. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think it's helped a lot. Another big one for me was mulligans. Commander doesn't like to mulligan to five cards most of the time unless you are like a combo deck and you're looking for specific cards in hand. And mm-hmm. it was weird for me to be safe mulligan to five or mulligan i've been told mulligan to four too and i don't think i ever did that but i have mulligan to five and i still was okay in the game and i was like how is this happening (laughs) great (laughs) it's a shock Um, it's a shock when you mulligan to five and do well or win the game because you're just like fuck i didn't think i'd get this far (laughs) i'm still I've got cards in hand. I'm still playing meaningfully. I'm not out of the game. Okay. I it's guess like we're not here dead we go. yet. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> That's why <laughs> not you, over sometimes it's over. you Exactly. It's not over till the fat lady sings. Or yeah. The bearded lady or till Anthony sings. Who knows? He's we don't or, know. But he he does whatever. Birds are free. Like he'll just go just take him. He has like fifty at home. But <laughs> you know, it's just one of those things you learn when you play start to play competitively that sometimes like fuck it, I have to go to five. And like, those are the easy decisions. You draw six and it's like no lands. And you're like, all right, I have to. Now there yeah. there are arguments in that situation. But sometimes it's like, yeah, this hand is not good. I need to multiply. And a big thing is player draw. Mm-hmm. If you're on the play and you multiply, 
it's a little tough. And if you can keep a six, I'd say have that dialogue with yourself in that situation. But if you're on the draw and you have to mull to five, it's not the end mm -hmm. of the world. You, you go to your first turn, you draw your six cards and you just have extra draw steps to find the things that you need. And you're not completely dead in the water because a lot of magic players, I think like, oh, mull to five, it's going to, it's going to be really tough. Like, oh, what's going to happen? It's like most of the time it's not the end of the world. And if yeah. you're a degenerate and playing a combo deck, you like sometimes it's just like you you want to do that. Like it, this is why I say don't play modern because I've seen so many Tron players like, oh, I got a mulligan. This is the worst. They mold a three and they go tower map. And I'm just like, you are the worst person. <laughs> You're complaining about what your deck actually does. Like, yep. stop it. Stop it. Another big one, creature lands. When I first started playing, I would forget that they were creatures that I could use. That was a weird thing. Again, not a thing that a lot of commanders players I was around would use. So it just didn't really occur yeah, there, to me. There are not many commander games where somebody's like activating a muta vault and swinging for two. <laughs> yeah. No, because you don't want to be swinging for two because somebody's probably already got two or three blockers. Like you want. Yeah, or giant 15-15 like monsters on the other side or whatnot. Go yep. big or go home and commander or just combo mm. off and win. <laughs> exactly. And then learning when I was, okay, I'm going to remember. I'm going to look at these creature lands. I'm going to remember that these are resources I can use. And mm -hmm. then having to remember to activate them before going to combat. So that was another good thing to remember those steps. And now like well, activate, you announce you're entering can. combat. Yeah, mm -hmm. you can te technically can activate them in combat and still swing. You just have to do it at the beginning of combat. It's, yeah. It's like technically, well, but it's best to remember before. <laughs> this is Anthony in the editing booth. Just with a quick rules note that if you are playing competitively and you intimate to your opponent that you are moving to combat, it is then too late to activate a creature land. When you say combat, it is assumed that you are immediately passing into declare attackers. <laughs> well, it's just remembering those steps, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, enter combat, swing. Mm -hmm. but because that gives people a chance to answer, too. Like, especially with things like Model oh, of yeah. Spirits. If they've got mm -hmm. Shacklegeist, the one that taps two spirits, they tap two and they can tap down that creature and then you can't mm -hmm. tap, attack. So that's relevant. And that's good for me. That was good for me to learn so that I could remember, oh, I have to remember this step to give my opponent a chance to respond. It was a rough one. I think it's I am the, decently better at that, though. It's over time. It's just the doing aspect. You learn so much from, just, like I said, being thrown into the fire, like actively doing it, what you're like talking about practicing. Because we can just be like, oh, yeah, you do this before combat. You guys remember these triggers. But if you're not actively playing games of magic, yes, it, like you talking about it isn't going to do anything. It's your actions. It's your gameplay. It's you getting those reps in that are going to help you the most. Like it was probably like the best and I don't want to say the best and worst advice. It was the best advice I got while I was in college, but it also was just like, then why am I spending so much money? If yeah. It's that simple. Because I went to art school and they're just like, yeah, there's no magic class or thing you have to do. It's just you have to draw. You just have to do the thing. And I'm like, that's sure. so profound and nice. I'm a yeah. junior. I'm in so much goddamn debt. Where were you when I was 18? Like, yeah. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> but it's the same thing with magic. Like the best, mm -hmm. the way you get better is just playing games of magic. Yep. And I, fe yeah. I feel like you, you have had that. Like, cause I, I, hell, I've seen you in real time just have like an epiphany where just like, oh, like, I, oh, I, oh shit. I remember this part. Like, oh, I know what line to do. Like, no, I know mm -hmm. what to do in this. And that comes from 
playing the game, which is it does. It's fun too. Magic's fun. It's infuriating, it but it's fun. It is infuriating, but fun. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. good, and it it is helping me unlearn some bad commander habits because commander's a multiplayer format, and so sometimes you skip steps because mm-hmm. you know that somebody doesn't have certain interaction or things like that. And so you tr- you're just trying to make it go faster. You're not doing it for arbitrary reasons necessarily. Sometimes people are because they don't want to play. <laughs> but other times <laughs> it's like you're doing this because and because the other person knows and then you just go. And yeah, this, you're staring at the mono green commander and you're like, I'm not going to get burn spells yeah, to the face type yeah, thing. Absolutely. And so mm-hmm. you it's un- helping me unlearn those things and learn, okay, this mm-hmm. is how I go through these steps to make sure that I'm playing to the best of my ability in this mm-hmm. matchup. Because somebody else is going to remind me and they're going to remind me by I'm going to get punished for that choice. Or you get a judge called on you because you weren't following the correct things. So mm-hmm. it you got to see- sequence correctly. And it also depends on the player and also the deck that they're playing. And it, I think the best thing to do is like take your time just to help you play better at Magic. But also mm-hmm. so you don't get a judge call. You don't like upset your opponent because they had actions in your main phase and you're like halfway through combat and you're like okay we need to rewind yeah like because i want to do something in a phase that we have not moved on from and also mm-hmm. it's good for you to not do that because you're giving away actions that you're going to be taking if you're like all right exactly. activate mutavault swing for two you'd be like hold on i have things i want to do before then and then mm-hmm. you who did that and rushed forward revealed yep. that you there's a possibility you have nothing and just want to get some chunk damage in and go from there so yep. it's best for everyone to just still, like keep the pace of the game going, but don't rush through things because, yep. you know, you, you can fall in your face or just like get a judge called or have a whole thing like a 15 minute time extension, depending on how well the events run. And it's just it's a pain in the ass. Yeah. <laughs> and a judge call is not the worst thing, but also like if depending you, on the judge. That's probably true. <laughs> but just remembering those things makes you slow down not to the point of stalling gameplay but to the point of okay make sure you remember these things and it's just Mm -hmm. a good one yeah and i'm a visual person it helps for me to like sometimes act it out because there's sometimes i've like talking about creature lands i've like if i activate hive i like tap my lands i'm like no they have a they have another creature land and they can block as they have a blood tithe and another and a hive so i could be like oh just get a hive it has menace and then they're like activate my hive Mm-hmm. Like actually doing that like motion and seeing it be like, no, let's <laughs> let's hold off because that would be really embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I guess what would be the like some improvements that you've seen? We've talked about it, but like some what's like some big improvements that you've made like in the this time playing Pioneer? One so Rakdos being the lovely mid-range deck that it is has an interesting land base, <laughs> as we've already talked about but it's really important that you sequence them in the correct way. And that was something that I would forget. For some reason, I do not know why my brain just did not like the text on the cards of Black Cleave Cliffs and Haunted Ridge. Wording is weird. I'm sorry. They're both three, but they're different kinds of three. Yeah, I know Anthony is already glaring at me from far away at the RC in Dallas, but... He, he can just, feel it. There's a disturbance. He can feel the disturbance. But it just did not process with me the way that it was worded. But you, I just memorized him. We went through this multiple times. And Anthony was like, no, that's not the right way to do that. No, that's not. You, you got the wrong one. And I'm like, mm. you're right. I got the wrong one. 
And so he would literally just hand me like a hand, like an opening hand with a, mm -hmm. the certain lands I was struggling with. And he's like, all right, play these. Don't take damage, Blood Crypt, and sequence them correctly so you can play your curve correctly. And we just did that mm -hmm. over and over mm -hmm. multiple times. That was one way that we, quote unquote, goldfished Rakdos, because you can't really goldfish Rakdos a lot, in my opinion. But that's one way we goldfished it that helped me because I just memorized, okay, Blackleaf Cliffs early, Haunted Ridge late. For some reason that clicked when he was showing me that and I did it multiple times just with that thought process in mind. And I didn't really struggle with it again after that. And that exercise, I highly recommend. Take oh, a yeah. hand, pull, pull a hand from your deck or have somebody else do it for you so you're not thinking of it while you're looking at it. Have them hand it to you and just sequence those lands. It is stellar. Unbelievable how much that helped. And then I just didn't think about it anymore because I knew. I was like, okay, I look at the Haunted Ridge and then look at the other cards. And I know, okay, Haunted Ridge comes in late. Can I play the other ones first? It just changes that thought process so much. And it's really good. But yeah, I, definitely. I, com better. I completely agree with you with the land sequencing because you look at Haunted Ridge, you look at Blackleaf Cliffs and you're just like, yeah, it's easy. I can remember that. And then you play a game and not really pay attention to it. And you're like, fuck, my Blackleaf Cliffs is going to come in on tap or come in mm -hmm. tabs. I should have played it like and it's sometimes just like a turn earlier. And the same thing yep. with Hive and Den. Absolutely. Though Those are the biggest ones with sequencing because mm -hmm. there's a lot of times where like even if you don't have a turn one play like or even a turn two play like you want to get hive and den out there so it comes into play untapped whether you can bluff or you have interaction on your opponent's turns things like yep. that because there's nothing worse than it being turn three and you have a hive of the eye tyrant staring you staring at you in your hand and you're going like i could have played this on turn two mm -hmm. and had two open mana to play this blood tithe but i didn't Yep. And this is awful. And for a lot, I've seen this with a lot of newer players who have picked up Rakdos. And I don't know if you can attest to this, but a lot like it's I know it can be confusing with Blackleaf Cliffs and Haunted Ridge, where mm -hmm. a lot of players have thought like, oh, Blackleaf Cliffs is my third land. It comes into play tapped. No, Blackleaf Cliffs can be your third land and it can come into play untapped. And same thing with Haunted Ridge, things along those lines. Because I was at a RCQ at like CM Con like that they had over here in Lexington and players like, oh, this Haunted Ridge will come into play taps and it was their third land drop. I'm like, no, I know the wording can be a little confusing there, but it's going to be your third land drop. It's going to come into play untapped. And that's what makes these lands super, super powerful too. Yeah. But like, yeah. You have to just I'm, do it in the right sequence. to make You got to do it in the right, because you're giving me flashbacks of like times that I've <laughs> missequenced my lands horribly or like I haven't shocked in a blood crypt. I'm like, oh, I don't want to take the damage. I'll put it in a tapped. And it's my fourth land drop. I'm at 20. Like, okay, Shieldred, you're going to just hang out in my hand. It's going to be totally fine. Yeah, this is great. I'm really good at this game. Not really. But yeah, land sequencing, I think, is it's just one of those things where like, people think like, yeah, I'll just play my lands. It'll be fine. Like In Rakdos, you have to play your lands correctly or the deck yep. just folds on itself and doesn't really do much. But it's mid-range. Like, it wants curve. It wants, you want to do one, two, three, four, like it just two, three, four. You want to play something or at least do be able to do something on every turn. Mm -hmm. But you and I have been playing Mono White Humans a lot lately. Yeah. And I really like the deck. As do I. I'm not really playing a quote unquote stock list and 
I have some hot takes, but fuck <laughs> off. I'm going to do me. <laughs> and, but overall, like it's, you play like 14 to 16 basic planes in the deck, mm -hmm. depending on how many different kinds of lands you have. You have six to eight non-basic lands between yep. Castle Art and Vale, Iganjo, and Mutavaults. Mm -hmm. And sometimes Sheffit Dunes, that's fallen out of favor, but that's another one. That's another non-basic land that some people have been playing in this monocolored deck. And even in mono white humans, sometimes you have to sequence your lands correctly because you might have to keep some risky hands like with a, a Ganjo and a, a Castle Art and Veil. And sometimes important. a Ganjo is your removal spell. Yeah, sometimes you want to just keep that in hand because it yep. is a fantastic removal spell, it's, especially mm -hmm. if you have a Thalia or Adeline in play. Then it just costs like two to one. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it, the channel lands had, have the channel lands and the uh, the D and D man lands have made sequencing lands a lot more difficult than it used to be. Sure I feel because <laughs> you're just like you're like, yeah, hey, I got two besagers in hand. I want to play one. Hold on to the other one. This would be I'm great. Or like, or I'm playing against hardened scales. I'm going to keep both of them because I have other yeah. lands <laughs> type thing. But, uh, yeah, lands matter in Magic. More than ever, really, in this with time, these like, new printings, yeah, I'd say. No, that's fuck, true. since like OG Zendikar and on, lands have just slowly that's just fair, been yeah. climbing up. And honestly, OG Zendikar feels like yesterday. It's like ten plus years ago. Yes. Now, <laughs> oh god, time is a bitch. Time I is can't. an illusion. Yeah, and so are pants. Avatar: Last Airbender. Woo. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we did mention mono white humans. So, but like, Bractus was a good introduction into pioneer playing yeah. constructed now you've played mono white for a little bit you and i have tested a little bit we've gone back and forth on what builds we like things like that what's difference between what's the difference between playing rakdos and and mono white and which one do you prefer at the moment and which one do you like better i would say well i'm still a rakdos stan i still think it's a really good deck i think Same. we're gonna see a ton of it at the rcq on saturday mm -hmm. go to my first rcq yay Woo! Um, yeah. <laughs> I do think that is still a big deck in the format. I think it will remain one. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. It just, it's just too good. I think too it many was good a, cards. Too many good cards. Mm -hmm. I think it was a good intro for me to learn a lot of tough lessons real fast. I do really enjoy Mono White right now because it's letting me focus on other parts of magic and gameplay that I need to learn and that I need to focus on. Because I'm not thinking as hard about the interaction of a Rakdos deck. I'm thinking mm -hmm. about my game plan and I can get to that point quick enough that I can think about my opponent's game plan. Or I want to attempt mm -hmm. to. That's where I want to go. And so for that reason, I really like it. And I don't know if I really prefer one or over the other right now. I don't think Mono White Humans is my forever deck. I've never been a Mono White girl ever <laughs> i am in fact a white girl myself <laughs> but i i don't think i'll play mono white forever but i do enjoy it for those reasons so yeah yeah it's i'm the good. same for like for a man in my mid-30s who grew up on punk rock and hardcore and metal mm -hmm. and was was a dude who was throwing trash cans and stage diving while seeing agnostic front and saint pete like I've played a lot of mono white decks. Like I've played the cop color, like, and it's weird. Like Thalia, both Thalias, like, are like two of my favorite Magic cards, and yep. like, I, like I love Rakdos mid range so much. It, mm -hmm. I love playing it; super fun, but it's a grind. 
literally mm-hmm. in gameplay and on your mind when you play it. Yes. And when I've played Mono White Humans, it's definitely not easy. It's an aggressive deck and you can just be like, all right, one, two, three, four, brave the elements, boom, I win. That's happy Christmas land. But sequencing is very important in this deck. And knowing, I think like you hit the nail on the head where you said knowing what your opponent's doing so I can do what I need to do. is like you knowing the format while being a mono white humans pilot is great because you're like, do I play Brave the Elements defensively here? Do I play Ossification uh, on this card or this one? Do I play Adelaine? Do I play Brutal Cathar? Do like which one drop do I go with? Like what deck am I playing against? Is it? combo is it an aggro mirror is it a grindy mid-range fest like what cards am i what cards am i favoring in certain matchups and baiting your opponent like hey this one's it's an aggro mirror it's a race this one's against Rakdos. it's a mid-range fest i gotta play not defensively but be mindful of my plays this is against mono green i want to favor certain cards knowing that now sometimes like you and i have played mono white a lot sometimes humans go burr and you're like, boom, yeah. you get them. <laughs> but sometimes you have yeah. those easy games. But uh, like like you said, sequencing lands and in Rakdos and like knowing what things to play at what certain times, I think, you know, you could tell me if I'm wrong, but I think that kind of has helped you playing mono-white humans, knowing what to yeah. play and when to play, like creatures in a sense, instead yeah. of lands. Yes, I do think that is the difference. And I think the bigger thing for me now and... The reason this deck was suggested to me was for triggered abilities. Remembering my triggered abilities when things are played in combat. Because that's the biggest thing with this deck. Like you said, sequencing creatures, Mm -hmm. making sure you're putting your counters on things, making sure you get your other human from Adeline when you attack. Just having her in play, being Mm -hmm. able to attack and get that that next token matters. Those are the things that I'm working on remembering right now. Yeah, and there's also like a lot of surprise triggers, like with, like you said with Adelaine, like that's in combat, tapped and attacking. That also triggers your Thalia's lieutenant. It, it all it also makes Adeline bigger. And then there's Luminarch Aspirant is a beginning of combat trigger. Like there's the surprisingly the deck has a lot of triggers, and they're like all over different phases of the game as far as like magic gameplay goes, and. Yeah, like it's a great deck to help you be mindful of that. And it's just really super powerful when you're just putting tokens everywhere on your fucking one ones and two ones with first strike. <laughs> like it's yeah, mm, super good. But yeah, I think it's a fun, like challenging aggro deck, but also disruptive death and taxes style. So I'll always be a Rakdos stand, but I am a mono white humans stand as well. I know I'm friends with the cop deck, but mm. yeah, it's a good one. We've been like, like, like we said, we've been playing mono white humans a lot and testing together and all that stuff. Combat math and pushing damage is a big thing that we talked about, and yes. it's it's something that you really gotta to think about playing an aggressive deck. Obviously, combat math is a big thing, but I think the pushing damage aspect of just like when to attack and when not to attack. I know you've experienced that, like playing oh, yeah. every build of, of this, yeah. It's definitely a strength of the deck to just like turn the thing sideways, but just no- knowing when to is, is is a really good thing to to know when and when not to. And if you want to go off on this, because I know you've played a lot of mono weight lately, yeah. so <laughs> Rakdos, you're not turning blood ties, but you're turning like four four humans sideways. 
and it, combat math mattered in blood ties with blood ties too. <laughs> but oh yeah, yeah, and stomp. <laughs> oh for sure. Oh yeah, I love me a stomp. Mm-hmm. Stomp and bone crusher, <laughs> like all those things. Yeah, <laughs> they mattered. And mm-hmm. the mono white, it does matter. And also not not being afraid to attack too, because you are the aggro deck. Like you're supposed to be pushing, and that's a thing too. Because I do tend to take the defensive side and feel like, okay, I'm going to lose these creatures, but that's okay. Like, you mm-hmm. need to lose them, and you can build it back. That's why you have a ton of one-drops. How many does yeah. deck run? Like, 12? <laughs> like, play some uh, more I, and go burn. Yeah, I run 12. I've done some builds with 14. Like, yep. I, you should at least play 12. Like, yeah. and, like, all the all your one-drops in this fucking deck are great, and also just turn, turn dude sideways sometimes to see how you're opponent reacts how they block things like that and because if you're the mono white player and you leave one planes or one white source open and then you swing out your opponent's terrified because they're just like do they have brave the elements is this lethal Mm -hmm. they're starting doing math in their heads they're like holy fuck do i die right now like what's what's happening and like you said it's an aggressive deck don't try to play this like a mid-range deck they're post board. You might have some situations like that, depending on what your sideboard is or what the matchup is. But even then, you're you're the aggressor. You want to mm-hmm. like you always want to push damage because for sure. Hopeful initiate gets real big. That that mm-hmm. card's just wild and a coddle with extra steps most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and mulliganing is actually very important mm-hmm. in mono white too. And you, you've learned with mulligan from Rakdos too, but it's a little different. With mono white, I think we touched on it a little bit a little too, bit. like yep. just in passing. But have you like because I felt this in testing is where there's sometimes I keep like six, and it's iffy, and or yep. like a risky hand, and I wish I went to five because me keeping that risky six is worse than me keeping like a good five. Yeah, I think that's true. I also think that I've. I had felt that initially with some mono white and I would keep a hand and I'd be like, maybe I should have kept a hand with more interaction and things like that. But then I look in my hand and I'm like, I've got Thalion 2, I've got an Adeline, I've got two one drops and I've got land to play them. Like, that's what I want it to be. And if, and maybe like, I don't know, I keep two land hands with mono white a lot. Maybe you've got a portable hole post board. Like, you're good. Just run. <laughs> and that, yeah, I think that's something that I've definitely gotten better with is like looking at taking that hand and being like, yeah, let's let's go with it. Yeah. If you have a two, if you have a two land hand, like the mm-hmm. world's your oyster, like that's yeah. fine. If you don't get to three, like it's not the end of the world. You would love to go to three so you can get mm-hmm. Adeline and sometimes Brutal Cathar in those situations. And if you're a crazy fucking person like me, three Manathalia. But <laughs> Yeah, like two land hands in mono white humans is completely fair. And speaking of lands, land sequencing isn't as terrible in mono white humans. It is, I don't want to say terrible, but as challenging as like no. when you played Ra- Rakdos. But I think Not you playing all. Rakdos has helped you just in land sequencing in general, no matter what deck you feel like playing. I think so. I think that it's helped me a lot. And that's. It's really the only thing that I think about with mono white humans is do I hold the Iganjo or not most of the time. 
and sometimes I hold it. Yeah, do I hold like a ganjo? Like, yeah. Yeah, and sometimes I'm like, nah, I don't need this right now. Play it. I'd rather play my creature because that's better. And so I do, and it works. Yeah, I, I think that's another thing. Don't always hold on to a ganjo. Yeah, a ganjo is a hell of a fucking magic card. The fact that it costs mm-hmm. three and it deals four damage. Oh, chef's kiss. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. And attacking and blocking creatures. Like, sometimes I forget about that. I'm just like, oh, fuck, it's both. Like, <laughs> but uh, yeah. I would say mm-hmm. don't always hold on to a ganjo. Don't always hold on to the channel lands. No. I, I know there are some situations mm-hmm. where you're just like, all right, I have to hold on to this Ottawara if I'm playing like a blue deck where it's just like, because I have a feeling that if I don't have this interaction, like I, I might lose or I have to hold on to Ganja or Besaju. But with mono white humans, if you hold your lands, like you can't really deploy your threats and just do your normal game plan and just, just play your lands. Playing yeah. on curve in this deck and playing on curve in general is just fantastic. But uh, just for us to wrap up this before we go into the guessing game. So, like overall, like you, when you started playing Pioneer with us, when you're just like, all right, all right I guess I'll, I'll play competitively with you crazy mm-hmm. trash masters till like right now, <laughs> like you going into your first RCQ, like how do you feel how, like from your growth, you as a player and just the biggest question, are you having fun? Oh yeah. Tons of fun. Hey, that's the best. <laughs> yeah. Lots of nerves at first, still some nerves occasionally. But overall, like, I'm having a great time. I'm liking the challenge. I'm looking forward to playing in my first RCQ, even though it's a little nerve-wracking. I want to see more decks to play against. Yeah, Pioneer's a hell of a format, and especially now. Hopefully we don't run into the Boros Menace that we've talked about yeah. in the previous episode. Yeah. It's a wide format, and hey, you said it. You're having I've fun. got a plan for him. That's... <laughs> Hey, as long as you got a plan, I hope, tell me the plan too, because shit, sometimes I'll I'm like, I got plan. it. And other times I'm like, I'm dead. Oh, no. <laughs> yep. I'm getting nightmares. No, I... Goblin bushwhacker again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. It's been a fun ride and it's been fun to see, like, I think I've exceeded my expectations of myself a couple times and seen a couple times where. Nice. I... Yeah, like I did not expect to pick up things so quick and not have to think about them anymore. I thought it would take longer and I feel like <laughs> it's definitely definitely going at a nice pace where I can focus on other aspects of the game and you know for no longer goes. So That's awesome. That, that I'm glad to hear it too. It's yeah. it and as long as you have fun, that's all that matters. Like good bad in between plays it's just as long as you have fun playing magic that's all that matters and hey if you feel like you're improving and if you see yourself improving that's just icing on the cake yeah that's great for sure yeah all right we're gonna go we're just go right into it the guessing game probably be easy one for both of us because yes. it's real simple tonight it's your favorite card that is currently legal in the pioneer format yes i have an easy one so do you have one? All right. I would like to guess yours. Okay. I would like to be first the guessing chair. Okay. I'm going to be uh, light on the clues because you're going to get this one real easy, but it's a two mana creature. Is it a human? No. Is it a vampire? Yes. Does it make a blood token? It sure do. Is it blood tithe harvester? It sure does. It oh, sure yeah. is. Like, I, th- I feel like that's everybody's favorite. Like <laughs> It's just so good. A two mana three two it's that so makes a good. blood token. It's so good. Like that's 
that's not a green card. Like that, Mm-mm. like a two mana three two is a green creature. Like uh-huh. this is just it's and also removal that draws yep. you cards sometimes. Like it's yep. so oh, blood tide is it's a just good hell of a fucking. I think it's arguably in the top ten cards of the format in general, but that could be overestimating a little. I might be too much of a racto stand. <laughs> oh no, you're you are correct, and I feel like if you pulled like a bunch of pioneer players, they'd say the same thing. Like it's in the top ten. Of not just creatures, just of cards in the pioneer format for sure. I think so. But uh, like, like yours, yours is pretty easy to find to do. Mine is extremely easy, and I'll just give you one clue. It's I mispronounced the name of this card on this podcast, and it's the only name I call it from now on. Tyvar Jubilant Baller. He be ballin'. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, that is my favorite fucking card in like shit multiple formats and he really also, should only see card. yes very good he should only see playing like pioneer basically i've played him in modern yeah. like you probably shouldn't but fuck it the baller be ballin <laughs> but tyvar like he he's just he's my favorite i'm a tyvar stan he, i will forever and always be a tyvar stan i just love that card so much and it's so good it's so good this is like the bar of three mana planeswalkers if they don't go above or below tyvar chef's kiss but they'll probably be another like oko or teferi or narset or karn karn's four mana but i'd lump them in there with just oppressiveness in in the game of magic the gathering those are those are our favorite yes. cards they're and they're pretty good. So good jund jund colors yes. for the wind <laughs> for the wind i said wind jesus christ for the uh, wind. For the wind. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to like and subscribe. It helps us out a ton and makes it easier for other players like you to hear what we have to say. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon, Stitcher, Spotify, Peanut.fm, and iHeartRadio. One of those was not real, but we'll never tell. It was Peanut, wasn't it? Oh, shut the fuck up.